Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. In his second inaugural address, March the 4th, 1865, a little over a month before he would be assassinated, Abraham Lincoln uttered these words, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Abraham Lincoln spoke these words at the end of a time in history when America almost did to herself what no one else had been able to do, destroy her. Though the war was over, the battle was not. Bitterness, rancor, anger was still at a fever pitch in the U.S. But Lincoln knew something that Jesus will teach us on today's program, and that is the only salve that can cure the wound of bitterness between enemies is the salve of love. But it's more than just an ordinary love. It's a super ordinary, supernatural love that loves the absolutely unlovable. Now, it is one thing to love a friend. It is one thing to love a relative. It is another thing to love your enemy. It's just not always easy to love the unlovable. I heard about a man one time who was always bragging about his love for children. One day he was pouring a new driveway of cement and some of the little children in the neighborhood came running through his yard and ran right through his freshly poured driveway. In fact, this occurred while he was gone. And some of the children even wrote their initials and some of them their names in the cement. Well, by the time he had gotten back, it had hardened that way and the footprints and the initials and the names they were there, hardened for all to see. Well, the man went into a tirade. He was screaming and yelling at the top of his lungs and pacing back and forth. He was about to explode. One of the neighbors comes over and said, I thought you said you loved children. The man said, well, I do love them in the abstract, but I don't love them in the concrete. Now, wouldn't it be easy if we only had to love people that we choose to love? Wouldn't it be great if we could just choose any person you wanted to love? Not only that, but then they would choose to love you back. Well, we don't have a choice when it comes to love. We are to love everybody, the Bible says, even our enemies. Our heart must be with malice towards none, but with charity for all. But then that raises the big question, how in the world is this possible? Well, the Lord Jesus tells us three steps that we can take to help us love the unlovable. Step number one, love your foes. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, once again, the Pharisees had distorted what the Bible really said about whom we should love and how we should love them. First of all, they had added something to the law that the law did not teach. It is true that in the Old Testament, it taught that you shall love your neighbor. In fact, the Lord Jesus himself taught that the second greatest commandment of all is to love your neighbor as yourself. But what the Pharisees did was they added four words and hate your enemy. Yet that is not found anywhere in the Bible, neither in the Old Testament or the New Testament. But in addition, the Pharisees had gone beyond that. They agreed that you should love your neighbor, but they would narrowly define who that neighbor was. You see, to them, the Gentiles, they were not neighbors. In other words, the Pharisees taught it's okay to be bigoted, it's okay to be prejudiced. If a person was not Jewish, didn't have the same color of skin, speak the same language, use the same type of accent, well then they're not your neighbor. But the Lord Jesus literally butts in and says, but I tell you, love your enemies. He then goes on to define that even further. That means you bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, real love involves two characteristics. One is doing and one is enduring. Jesus exemplified love by what he did. He went about doing good. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He comforted the mourner. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. But he also endured mockery, insults, betrayal, injustice, sorrow, physical pain, separation from his heavenly father, and death itself. That is what love really is. It's doing good and enduring evil. Real love is when you do good to a person that you are enduring evil from at the same time. Now that is a special kind of love. I admit that. The Greek language has four different terms that can be translated love. Philia is brotherly love and friendly love. Storge, that's family love. Eros, that's romantic love. But the love that Jesus speaks of here is agape, which is a sacrificial love that has as its greatest desire to meet the other person's need. I heard about a woman who had some chickens and her chickens got out of her yard and into her neighbor's yard and just infuriated the neighbor. Now the woman, she was a godly Christian woman, but her neighbor was an ungodly man that she had witnessed to many times without success. This man just despised her. He despised Jesus. He despised her church. He hated the Bible and he hated her chickens. Well, one chicken got out through the fence. The man picked it up, wrung its neck, and threw it back over the fence. The woman happened to be in the yard when that dead chicken came flying over the fence and landed right at her feet. Well, that evening, she knocked on his door, and when he opened it, there is a big bowl piping hot with this lady's 
famous chicken dumplings. She gave it to the neighbor and, and she said, it occurred to me today that in, in all my years, I have never prepared a meal for you. So I just wanted to give this to you and hope you enjoy it. Well, it just broke the man's heart. He invited her in and she led him to Jesus. You see, you see, love has both x-ray vision and telescopic vision. It can see beneath what is and it can see beyond to what it can be. You know what I've learned about other people? God can enable you to love everybody, but nobody can force you to hate anybody. If you hate someone, it's because you choose to hate them. Because even the greatest hatred can be removed by the love of Jesus. Sergeant Jacob DeShazer was a bombardier in General Jimmy Doolittle's squadron during World War II. While bombing Japan, his plane was shot down by anti-aircraft fire. He bailed out of his plane and was captured. He was placed in a five-foot-wide cell in a prison camp. He was beaten, whipped, spat upon, tortured, and forced to undergo some of the most gross indignities you can imagine. He developed an intense hatred for his guards. And all he wanted to do was to get his hands on one of their throats to squeeze the life out of them. They continued to torture him. Every day, his hatred grew until it became like a gigantic mountain for him. He had only one reason for living, and that was to one day get revenge on these guards. Well, one day a Bible was brought into that prison. It was passed around. It finally came to DeShazer. He began to read it. And he came across the words of Jesus that said, love your enemies. Well, almost in instantly, the love of Jesus melted that mountain of hatred inside of him, and he was filled with the joy of Jesus Christ. And from that point on, every time he was tortured, every time he was beaten or whipped or harassed, he would just simply say, Lord, help me to love my enemies. Well, when the war was over, he returned home. He determined that God wanted him to go back to Japan, not to seek revenge, but as a missionary to tell about the love of Jesus Christ. The story of Jacob DeShazer's conversion and return to Japan was printed in a little gospel tract. One day, a Japanese man who was disheartened, broken, dejected, and suicidal was given that tract by an American stranger. He read it and his heart was touched. He began to read the Bible for himself and he gave his life to Jesus. His name was Captain Mitsuo Fushida. He was the Japanese aviator who led the first attack on Pearl Harbor. He too began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ all over Japan because of these three words. Love your enemy. Point number two, look to your father. Matthew 5, verse 45, that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, when Jesus says that we must love our enemies so that we may be sons of our father in heaven, 
He's not saying that this is what gets us into the family of God or even this is how you become a child of God. In that day, when people would speak, they rarely would use adjectives like we use today. For example, instead of saying he is a peaceful man, a Jew would say he is a son of peace. Instead of saying she is a kind woman, a Jew would say she is a daughter of kindness. So what Jesus really meant by this statement was this, that you may be father-like. That is, when you love even those who do not love you back and perhaps even hate you, then you are just like your father in heaven. Now, please understand exactly what Jesus is saying. You are not, not like God in heaven because you love other people. You love other people because you are like your father in heaven. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. When you look at your father and the way he treats others, you see that he too loves everybody, even those who do not love him. In fact, Anything good that comes to anyone, anywhere, comes from the hand of God. You know, we, we have a little saying here, God is good all the time. But we ought to say, God is good all the time to everybody. That's why Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 5, verses 46 and 47, the following. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? You may as well understand, no matter how good you try to be to others, people are always going to be mean to you. Somebody somewhere sometime is going to do you wrong. When they do, you can take, well, one of four attitudes. You can say, if he hurts me, I'm going to hurt him even more. That's vindictive vengeance. Or you can say, if he hurts me, I'll hurt him exactly the same. That's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, what we would call retribution. Or you can say, if he hurts me, I'll just ignore him and have nothing to do with him. We would call that hardened indifference. Or you can say, if he hurts me, I will love him and serve him. That's the way of Jesus. Just as the Father wants to turn sinners into saints, we ought to desire to turn our enemies into friends. And the only way we can do that that's by loving them. When Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. began to stand up for the civil rights of black Americans, many who were full of prejudice subjected him to incredible injustice. His home was bombed. For 13 years, every day of his life, he lived under constant threats of death. He was accused of being a communist. He was stabbed. He was jailed more than 20 times. Most of his sermons were written in jail cells. Yet Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. 
The only way we can even begin to have that kind of love is to look to the Father. Point number three, live your faith. Jesus sums up all he has to say in this point with this simple statement, Matthew 5, verse 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, obviously, the word perfect there does not literally mean perfect, right? If we could be absolutely perfect, well, we would never have to pray that part of the Lord's Prayer that says, forgive us our sins. The word for perfect here kind of means mature. It means to reach the end for which you are intended. For example, an oak tree, well, that is the mature perfection of an acorn. An acorn is intended to mature into a mighty oak. So what Jesus is saying is this, when it comes to the enemies that you make in life, grow up. Have a love that is so mature and so strong in the Lord Jesus Christ that through him you can even love the most bitter of enemies. For you see, Jesus was not speaking of being perfect in our life, but being perfect in our love. Now, I know that there are many who look at a statement like this and say, that is impossible. But it's not. Because whatever God demands from us, God delivers to us. You see, I've said this before, the only kind of love that can love our enemies is a divine love. But guess what? When the Lord Jesus Christ comes into your heart and you become a true child of God, therefore, you're like your father, you will have that kind of love. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, don't tell me if you're a Christian, you can't love your enemy because you have in your heart right now, I have it in my heart, the love of God, which has flooded our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Towards the end of the American Revolutionary War, a trader named Michael Whitman was captured. At his trial, it was proven that he had given the British Army invaluable assistance on numerous occasions. He was found guilty of spying and sentenced to death by hanging. Whitman was from a small town called Ephrata. Word got back to this town of his imprisonment and his impending execution. There in that town, there was a Baptist preacher. His name, Peter Miller. He heard that Michael Whitman was about to be executed. He walked 70 miles in the cold and the snow to get to Philadelphia to see George Washington. You see, George Washington and Peter Miller were very close friends. Miller had done a great many favors for the army. He had given them spiritual nourishment and emotional strength during difficult times. When he came to see George Washington, he said, General, I have a favor to ask of you. Washington said, what is it? He said, I've come to ask you to pardon Michael Whitman. George Washington was stunned. 
He said, Pastor Miller, that's impossible. Whitman has done everything in his power to betray us, even offering to join the British and help destroy us. I cannot be lenient with traitors, and for that reason, I cannot pardon your friend. Peter Miller said, friend? Oh, no, no, he's no friend of mine. He's the most bitter enemy I've ever had in my life. For years, he's persecuted me and harassed me. He did everything he could to hurt my church, to hinder the preaching of the gospel. He said, do you know that he even waited for me one time after church? He beat me almost senseless, spitting in my face, knowing full well that I would never strike him back. General, he said, let's get this absolutely straight. Michael Whitman is no friend of mine. General George Washington was puzzled. He said, but you asked me to pardon him. Pastor Miller said, I have to. I have to ask you to do it as a personal favor to me. General Washington said, why? Pastor Miller replied, because that's exactly what Jesus has done for you and for me. With tears in his eyes, General George Washington walked into the next room and soon returned with a paper on which he had written the pardon of Michael Whitman. Pastor Peter Miller went personally with him to the stockade and saved Michael Whitman from the hangman's noose, personally took him back to his own home where Pastor Miller led Michael to a faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Peter Miller was right. What he did for Michael Whitman, Jesus Christ has done for us on that cross. And he says to us that we should do that to others. He says that we are to say to others with malice towards none and with charity towards all. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, may the love that just fills our heart from above transform us into the men and women you want us to be. May we love those that we consider enemies. As impossible as that seems, it is only possible through the power of your Holy Spirit. So fill us with your love. Bless each and every viewer, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer for our viewers. Maybe you're joining us for the very first time. On each and every program, we have a resource we'd like to send out uh, free of charge. It's a gift. It, it's a book. It's a booklet. It's a magazine. Something to help you on your spiritual journey. Well, the journey that you and I, all of us are on together. 
We've talked about God's love and the importance of sharing that love with others, particularly those that we consider our enemies. We have a wonderful little resource for you. It's a little booklet. We'd love to send it to you. It's called The Healing Power of Love. I'd love to get this into your hands because I know it's going to help you. If you'd like to receive this offer, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching. Just before we go, I want to just quickly share with you some of the resources we have available so that we can stay connected, you know, between the times that we meet this way here on the program. Our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you'll have access to all of our previous programs. Every program we've ever aired is accessible. You just click on the page that says previous programs. Archived sermons. That's a page where I have different lectures that I've given around the country, around the world, where I address certain questions that have been asked of me, like, can we know when the world is going to end? What happens to us when we die? Why do bad things happen to good people? Who or what is 666? So on each one of those, you'll find a video presentation and a study guide, a handout, that you can download and you can print as a resource to help you better understand those topics. You can also check out the live appearances tab. That'll show you where I'm appearing live, in person or virtually. Check that out. And the Donate Today tab, if you feel so impressed to send a donation to keep the ministry on the air, we could always use the financial help. We are a charitable organization. Every dollar that you donate, we will provide you with a receipt for income tax purposes. Every dollar gets reinvested back into the ministry to pay for airtime, the gifts, the studio time. None of that comes to myself or my family. Just wanted you to know that. Social media, Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time, I put out a one-minute devotional video. You can start your day by watching that. It's one minute in English, 6.45 a.m. Eastern time. I put out a one-minute devotional video in the Portuguese language. Check that out also. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our Facebook page, follow me on Twitter. SoundCloud, an audio version of the program, will be available shortly. You can download it, take that with you wherever you go. MissionNowCanada.com, that's another website that's part of our ministry, which covers the overseas humanitarian work we do. Check out MissionNowCanada.com, find out what we've been doing overseas, what we will be doing overseas, 
Maybe you can join us on an upcoming mission trip or make a donation to help support one of the projects listed there. We are all out of time. Thank you again for joining us. We hope to do this again next time. We look forward to having you with us. God bless you. We'll see you then.